welcome to the round. Do you want to just say the welcome to the round table? This <laughs> welcome is episode to the round one, table. Uncle Sam's. Uh, my name is Ruben. I am a uh, senior, oh boy, uh, and I am technically a non-affiliated uh, SJA member, um, but I am here to help uh, my uh, co-host here, Riley, uh, in producing the first episode of the round table, which you're listening to. Yes. Um, my name is Riley Masson. I am a senior at CBU. I am a member of Student Act, which is one of the clubs affiliated with SJA. Um, I use he, him pronouns, and I'm really excited to be here and have this conversation. Um, we are talking about Uncle Sam and his huge ego. Um, and so we're going to kind of get right into it and, and start talking about some of these issues. Um, looking forward, uh, this podcast is just going to be some conversations, discussions, and just general attempts to uh, get these conversations going on in our community. Right, yeah. Um, well, I guess what we could start, we could start with at least with the outline is um, the idea of, of American centrism. Am I saying that right? American centrism. Totally. Uh, Americentrism, oh, yeah, like or, or American first time. Um, no, yeah. so. <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you. So I, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, I had this idea, and I was thinking about all of these things, and it was like there must be a name for for what I'm talking about and what I'm thinking about it, and I want to talk about this, so I should know the name. And so I just looked up a bunch of things on Google until I, I finally came to this term, Americentrism, and it's a weird word, but I, I, I guess it is a word. Um, so I, I think we could just start with some some history behind well, yeah, what, what I mean, this idea is. Um, so I can dive right into some of that. So so Americentrism is this idea of looking at the world kind of through an American lens um, and what, how the American culture has cultivated in this this very specific perspective yeah. that Americans have. And a big part of it comes from U.S. being the world peacekeeper after World War II, right? So US, the United States is the sole superpower in a lot of ways. Um, obviously, the Cold War happens and, and Russia is a, a competing superpower. But especially right after World War II, America has this very, very unique vantage point on the world. Um, and that obviously creates uh, a lot of complex uh, constructs because we go into this place where as the only powerful enough nation in the world to be doing it, the United States is forced into this peacekeeping okay. Um, and so in this peacekeeping role, very quickly, the United States starts to develop its reputation as this, this shining beacon of democracy, um, this, this beacon of hope, um, and starts to go into all of these, these other countries, um, and that gets into the whole white man's burden. I feel like, well, okay, I see the, the idea, especially with the, the fact that, um, like a lot of the, of the of, uh, what happened after uh, World War II, or at least during World War I, when um, the, I think it was the UN or something, the peacekeeping corps was created, um, the, the United States basically kept itself out of that because they felt that it wasn't their um, necessary, it wasn't their job to um, govern the, the actions or at least like uphold some semblance of um, formality between, uh, between countries, which I always found interesting because it's like, why? Why introduce an idea that um, that would benefit a lot, of, a lot of countries, especially in terms of relations, and then immediately back out of it because it's something you didn't want to do? Totally, totally. Um, and I, I think it's just it's 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 really important to have this historical context 
to look at all of it uh, is that the U.S. was really um, put in this place of just massive power, right? And um, th th that somewhat ironically created some some really unique problems for our society now in modern times, um, as you're as you're mentioning. So I, I think that. It, definitely the the whole shining beacon of hope and democracy and 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 even like the american dream of of like you can come to this country and build a world for yourself really all just cultivated in this this idea of america as this larger than life amazing place um and that obviously then created a lot of american cultural values um and ruben you 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 did you weren't born here in the united states talk i'd love to hear Coming to the United States, what were some of the biggest Literally cultural differences anything. you personally count? Um, and I could I could attest to this because I personally um, <laughs> know that. So uh, for for those listening, I uh, as Ali mentioned was not born here. Um, I moved uh, in 2009 from a small uh, country in West Africa uh, known as Burkina Faso, um, and it's it's uh, it functions more on the uh, on like the Fran uh, French government. Uh, structure than it does in like American um, politics and stuff like that. But um, when I first moved to the U.S., the, the main thing that was jarring, and I think that still is jarring today, is the um, like you mentioned, the idea of the American dream is, and um, if you work hard enough to achieve this, you really like you can do basically anything. And I'm not saying that's not impossible, but there are a lot of mm -hmm. barriers um, to that to that notion, mainly because. Uh, at least from what I observed, like a lot of people right. can't um, reach the uh, the status they're hoping to get um, for the most part because there's such a huge um, like blockade from being able to access um, that much of that amount of, of, of wealth or at least like stability um, because because you didn't inherently um, gain it from someone else or because there there were other um, there are other systems in place to make it so that it's nearly impossible unless a specific set of um, of predestined things were like were laid down um, before you even uh, came here. And I think what was interesting for me now to realize, especially um, in terms of like how uh, that mindset kind of uh, showed itself, especially in schools. Um, this time I actually remember when I was talking to a friend of mine. And we were talking about um, about like other different cultural values and stuff like that. And he brought up the point of um, the one thing he he'll probably like. The, he brought the idea of persevering, and I was like, okay, cool. I think everyone has that. But the way he explained it was like, if I get um, battered to the point where I can't do anything, I will still keep on going because that's the only thing I can do at that point. And I was like, I mean, yeah, but do you not like? Is there is there not a, a point at which you have to at least acknowledge the fact that there isn't a way to get through that blockade unless you take some other route that's not the same thing? Um, and I guess that kind of tra uh, transitions a little bit too. And mm -hmm. sorry for taking so taking this, this long, um, but I feel like it also it translates into very well into uh, this current idea of, of like a, a stubbornness a stubbornness to to want to. Um, actually listen to or um, I guess find an, an alternative path to a solution that can be solved rather easily um, and creates so much tension between basically everyone that you start to wonder like is this even possible with the current um, at you're in because like everyone's so right. everyone's on each other's throat that you start to wonder is is division the only the only 
the only real way to achieve certain things. Is that like how is that how things function now? Because I don't think that's how things were intended. Right. Yeah. And exactly. So I think that's exactly the, the, the issue here is that because we have always been or have for a very, very long time been this extremely powerful country. And because we have this mentality of, of infinite perseverance, kind of as you were talking about, of there never being a point of giving up. We as Americans have developed this cultural value of stubbornness, which is which is problematic and it's innately innately dangerous because it makes it so that we we assume um, not only do we we never give up or, or or aren't are not easily swayed, um, we also kind of have this assumption that we're right about things, um, assumption that we do things the correct way, assumption that we are 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 the best. And I think it creates a resistance to and change and a closed-mindedness. Um, very much um, reinforced by, um, and this is something I, I, I recently sort of learned, I think that um, the idea of like the stubbornness is very much reinforced by um, how a lot of people really, how a lot of people view that in their own um, daily life. Um, and especially what they view like on, on um, and this, this like for example goes to like what a lot of people see um, on social media and like the idea of the um, filter bubble where um, you essentially become so um, you be, I, I'm assuming that because um, our our culture in the American culture is entirely unique to it to itself it wouldn't have existed if certain um, circumstances were met we wouldn't have the strong um, sense of like there cannot be change unless this change is beneficial it like benefits the entirety of America, and even then, only benefits the specific entirety of that um, of the population. It's not. It's not a matter of whether or not the the change itself is is morally good or just like a better change in general. It's a question of whether or not that enhances the U.S.'s power and overall. Um, and I think that, and a lot of times, that's shown in like um, in like very uh, important decisions that would impact a lot of, a lot of people. Um, those are often made with the idea of who would benefit from this and does this make us look better? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think it, it really, it really kind of culminates in this refusal, like denial that there's anything wrong with this country. We, we put ourselves up on this pedestal. Um, America puts itself on, up on this pedestal in a lot of ways. And so we refuse to acknowledge a lot of these issues, especially systemic issues, especially like ingrained issues with our country and with our, our democracy as a system. And that's really, really dangerous. And we've well, I, I think how dangerous that can be. Part to the the rise in, in very toxic nationalism, I would say. Because um, correct me if I'm wrong, there's a difference between nationalism and patriotism. Patriotism mm -hmm. is at least accepting that yes, there are issues where we could work sure. with them because as a country, it's not inherently, it's not inherent to like the country's foundation. They can be changed. Um, and I, I think that people don't really understand that difference, um, especially with nationalism, which um, if, correct me if I'm wrong, essentially culminates as a um, as viewing the world through your um, through a country specific lens while um, while essentially blocking out the influence of everyone else, and that can be really bad as we've very much seen um, as of recent. Um, but what's sad is the idea of nationalism goes so well with um, the stubborn the, the stubbornness to the point where. If you don't like something, it can um, that that um, ideal and that stubbornness can be um, redirected and fueled into 
justification for very, very bad things. Um, and this, this is a great example of, of, of that in the, in the fact that like we've become so used to hearing people use the idea of nationalism or patriotism, quote unquote, um, to justify like, really horrible things that they've committed. Um, like this is, for example, the, the, the school shootings that were happening like all throughout um, um, the, the early 2000s, like not even the early, like late 2000s, 2019, maybe in that year, um, can't quite remember, but like those were, were horrible mm -hmm. things. And I feel like as a collective, we all just kind of accepted that it occurred because there really was, there was such a huge disconnect from, from, from the, the like everyday people to those who use that idea of nationalism and, and um, stubbornness and refusal to change or refusal to change or just refusal to really accept things as they are um, to do those things. And I think that because we, we disassociate ourselves from those people, the more it kept on happening, the more we just felt, okay, this is just like a thing now. Um, and this goes beyond those shootings. It goes to assaults on, on various um, uh, groups. And um, it goes to assaults of religious groups, religious buildings, um, places of, of, of worship. That's basically just the same word. Um, it goes to assaults on different people. It goes to assaults on different um, grounds. Like it's, it becomes so desensitized and just used to hearing the same um, idea of this is because we're patriotic that we're doing this, that we just accept we're not like these people, so we're not going mm -hmm. to listen to them. But it's, 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 it raises the question of, if that's the case, then where is this inherent nationalism coming from? Because it just doesn't appear out of nowhere. There has to be some place it, it, it stems from, and you can't just ignore that. Totally. Exactly. And I think that where it's stemming from, where it's coming from, is, is what we were talking about earlier, is the culture that America has built and that, that was created by, by our history. And so... I think that that brings us sort of to to the the real fundamental issue it's caused and something that we want to touch on because the original recording of this podcast was in fact interrupted by this current event um, as the two of us were unable to really have this conversation because we were we were glued to the TV because of this unbelievable thing happening at the United States Capitol um, of this this assault this 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 terrorist attack essentially uh, where they broke into the Capitol and I think that the reason both of us were so just unable to have this conversation at that time is that what we wanted to talk about was happening right on screen. It, it, it's exactly the culmination of all of this. The, the denial that nothing's, nothing's wrong with our country. It, you can't deny it anymore. Look what happened. There, there was an assault on our perfect democracy, our, 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 our beautiful country that's been put up on a pedestal. People just tried to knock it off of that. People tried to, to, to break into this, this, um, just extremely important building, and it was just it was just unreal to watch it. Uh, at least I found, and I think that so I think that there's a lot of things other than just that nationalism and that stubborn culture and an identity that a lot of people have going on that that led to that incident in particular. I think we need to talk about this whole misinformation age um, and like the like fake news and that that coming into to popularity as a, as a term, but also as a concept. In recent times, really, I could try to, to answer that because I kind of hinted at it with, with the idea of like, um, again, the, the, the filter bubble, where um, at some point when you start to, to um, and I think your, your dad was actually explaining this to us at some point, um, 
that once you start to get more um, information that you agree with, you only stay with that information, um, and that becomes your your entire source. Um, I remember he went. He mentioned at some point that like it's uh, uh, that uh, in in some fashion, um, news outlets have to provide equal time to um, both sides of the argument. Um, and and now, like mm -hmm. especially now, when you when you're trying to to find research on, on something, like you search up a, a topic and you put in the keyword, you'll only get that. And most of the time, there's nothing else you need because you already have all the sources you need there. But and that raises the question of, what does the source is is the source only reinforcing your idea, or is the source providing information that um, that you thought of that then helps to formulate your decision? Because there's a difference between learning about something that helps you formulate mm -hmm. a better idea of the world and understanding of it, than there is of something that just reinforces an idea that you already had, and you only use that to 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 um, to I, I continue thinking that way. I guess. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's it's creates these these echo chambers where your ideas are just continually reinforced, um, and that's extremely dangerous because it allows you to just be convinced so so thoroughly that you are correct and your thinking is the right way of thinking that anything that challenges it you're you're able to just dismiss out of hand of of if it if it's not something i i agree with then it must it must not be true mm -hmm. that's fake news and and furthermore that problem is compounded by this increasing normalization of violence let's talk about that a little bit let's talk about that we have gone gone to a place where, as you were talking about school shootings, um, like shootings with, I think the the what it has to be like four or more for it to be considered like a mass shooting happen at an obscene number every single year, and and it, they barely make it onto the news because they're so common at this point. Um, let's talk about the fact that there's again that American stubbornness. There's a refusal to pass any really truly meaningful gun legislation. Um, at, at state levels and, and even and more so at, at the, the national level um, and that there's there's other countries who have done it and been very very successful Australia had one incident changed their laws and they haven't had anything happen of that sort again it's it's easy to do there's ways to do it and we just we just refuse to to tackle these issues because there's nothing really wrong with America and I think that we refuse to tackle the issues I think it's the fact that we inherently that we not inherently but we don't want to admit the fact that there is an issue because you have to you have to take from the from the idea that like right. um, America is a powerhouse and it is viewed as a powerhouse or at least in my professional opinion it was viewed as a powerhouse until um, the the Islamic capital and what's really what's interesting about that in particular is that was a a show of of of, of violence um, of a terrorist act on on the democracy itself, um, but also it, it brings up the idea of how did other countries perceive America in that point? Because you mentioned we they are viewed as like the beacon of hope and like basically the number one power in all the country. So then, how do people view mm -hmm. this basically? Um, uh, insurrection against the U.S. government, against the senators who are trying to do their job. Um, how do they view that, and and only think, um, and only and and not think that this is a perfect opportunity to to essentially slanderize um, um, America for not being able to handle its own people. And then it, and then um, not only that, but the people who were watching that whole entire event, who were also saying like, "This isn't true. This is like this didn't happen because of this specific group." Um, not to mention who, but we all know who we're thinking of. Um, 
like people are still in denial of it to this mm-hmm. day because they're because even though the the fact it's all there it's all it's 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 all there and it clear and it points to the clearest sense of how it happened people still deny it because it doesn't match up with their views of how the event went down it's all relative to how people view it and that's the sad thing because no one's willing to communicate those those perspectives mm-hmm. totally completely so I think, I think really what our point and what we wanted to talk about and what we wanted to bring up is that this, this American stubbornness, this cultural stubbornness, this um, refusal to, to acknowledge issues um, and, and just increasing like fall of America's image in a lot of ways. I, I, I like what you brought up there is that I, I agree. I don't think that America is seen in this way anymore. But I think that Americans, a lot of Americans, still feel that it that it is and that it should be, um, that it is still the greatest country in the world. When in a lot of ways that isn't true anymore. Um, so I guess our what I want to wrap up with here, and what I want to touch on is that as we explore a lot more things with this podcast and go into a lot of different issues, one of the fundamental things we wanted to address first was this American culture um, and how that this very this a lot of these are very very American problems that have been cultivated and, and compounded um, because of this, this closed-mindedness, this inability to accept issues, um, and especially recently, these echo chambers and kind of um, reaffirmations of opinions yeah. without any challenge yeah, anywhere inside. A, a quick thing, um, in terms of, of like the, uh, oh shoot, I forgot what I was thinking of. Um, in terms of like, uh, I guess the, the idea of American culture in America and an American centralized problem, um, that also can be like it it, it, mm-hmm. it creates its own culture to the point where people adopt that as their own method of thinking like not just in, not just in America but in other place, um, parts of the world where um, this because again the powerhouse is behaving a certain way people will take that idea and behave that way because it is the norm now but you know it's a it's a huge problem mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to address that this is a core problem and then a lot of the stemming problems that come come from that um, going forward in this this podcast but we're we're well over our time already and uh, don't want to go on for too long because we want to keep these short and easy to consume so to speak so I think that um, we're gonna wrap this one up here um, I just want to say thank you for listening um, really appreciate you tuning in and hope that you stay along for the ride here and um, listen to many more podcasts we're going to be co- covering a, a slew of issues and I'll, I'll talk about our next week's episode in, in just a minute um, feel free to check out other Social Justice Alliance content um, if you want to join the Social Justice Alliance and are a CVU student um, please email Chris Smith at crsmith at cvsdvt.org um, to join our meetings on Monday afternoons um, please feel free to check out our website um, at HTTPS, uh, it's uh, sjacvu.squarespace.com. I was going to read the whole thing, but that's awful. Um, sjacvu.squarespace.com should get you there um, easily enough. Um, and then stay tuned for next week's episode, Policy for Dummies, um, where we're going to talk a little bit about some of the policy changes we want to make here at CVU and some that are already coming down the pipeline and hopefully will be coming to you very, very, very soon. Um, any, any last words, Ruben? Uh don't do anything stupid and please do research. Yes, definitely. Self-education is always the best. All right. Um, thanks so much for listening. This has been the round table. Bye-bye. Um, have a good one.